Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, November 19th, and this is your FT News Briefing. An audit finds why Brussels has had such a hard time taming big tech. Boeing is once again allowed to fly its 737 MAX aircraft, and Wall Street predicts a coronavirus vaccine will trigger a dollar slump next year. Plus, Boris Johnson outlined a green recovery plan yesterday, but environmental experts say it's a far cry from what's needed. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The European Union has a big goal regulate big tech companies better than it has so far. We should see the EU release a draft of its Digital Services Act by the end of the year. And now, after a report from Brussels' external auditor, we have a better sense of why the EU has struggled with big tech. The European Court of Auditors looked at a decade worth of attempts by the EU to try to reel in major tech companies. And the report boiled down the inefficiencies into two main reasons. The first reason, the EU moved too slowly. Antitrust probes are often too long, and the enforcement only happens after big tech companies have wiped out the competition. The second reason is that Brussels doesn't have the legal muscle. The auditor added that the EU is kind of going about its regulation all wrong, saying the union shouldn't use the approach it uses with more traditional sectors when it's going after big tech. It's been about a year and a half since Boeing grounded its 737 MAX passenger airline. The aircraft maker made the decision in March 2019 after two crashes killed 346 people. The grounding did incredible damage to Boeing's reputation. Billions of dollars in Boeing's market value were destroyed, and the company's former chief executive, Dennis Mullenberg, left. But yesterday, the Federal Aviation Administration allowed the 737 MAX to return to the skies. Here with me now is Claire Bushy. She's our Chicago reporter where Boeing is based. She covers the company. Claire, what did it take for Boeing to finally get clearance to fly the 737 MAX again? Well, the FAA is requiring that the company make changes to the flight control system. That was a critical factor in causing these two crashes. Basically, this flight control system known as MCAS could force the nose of the plane downwards repeatedly. And it could do so with information coming in from just a single sensor on the airplane. The planes crashed when their nose of the plane was repeatedly forced downward by the software system until the pilots lost control of the plane. So the FAA is requiring that the system could only kick into gear once and it needs input from two sensors, which have to agree before it can go into action. They're also requiring that all pilots for the 737 MAX have to train in a flight simulator. And Boeing had designed this plane to try to avoid that very outcome because training in simulators is really expensive for airlines, and so it makes them less likely to buy the plane. Boeing actually reversed its position in January and said that it would recommend simulator training for all pilots. So, Claire, does it really matter for Boeing that the 737 MAX is allowed back in the skies. I ask this because the coronavirus is preventing a lot of people from flying. People are being cautious in in small closed spaces. So are airlines even buying planes at the moment? 
it does matter. I mean, it's sort of a huge milestone in this crisis that has blackened Boeing's eye. And so they are moving out of the worst part of the crisis. And they can start delivering planes to the people who who do want them. The market hasn't totally evaporated. But you're exactly right. I mean, there's very few airlines that are buying planes right now or airplane leasing companies. So it's not going to be the tremendous rush of cash in the door that that you might have imagined was going to happen when the plane was finally ungrounded when this you know first happened uh, a year ago. Claire Bushy is the FT Chicago reporter. She covers Boeing. Thanks, Claire. Thank you. The U.S. hit 250,000 confirmed coronavirus-related deaths on Wednesday, but there's been decent progress on a vaccine. Moderna has a shot that's nearly 95% effective. Pfizer and BioNTech said yesterday their vaccine was even more effective than previously reported. Pfizer and BioNTech said they would submit their COVID-19 vaccine for U.S. and EU emergency approval within days. And Wall Street is already preparing for what this means for financial markets, because with a vaccine comes more confidence in the global economy. And if that vaccine gets widely distributed next year, Wall Street analysts expect that the U.S. dollar will sink. Some big banks already have a negative view on the dollar for 2021, and they cut their forecasts even further this month after clinical trials raised hopes that a vaccine could be available next year. Investors generally pile into the dollar during times of stress. It's a safe haven asset. The dollar jumped at the height of the pandemic when equities took a beating. It's expected that the dollar will do the opposite as the economy recovers. But an analyst at Citi said this could be a very serious drop for the dollar in 2021. They could see the dollar declining as much as 20% next year alone. It would be the biggest drop since the 33% slide that started in 2000 and lasted until the 2008 financial crisis. Boris Johnson set out his plan for a green recovery yesterday. The prime minister claimed, among other things, it would turn the UK into the world's number one center for green technology and finance. Leslie Hook is our environment correspondent, and she's been analyzing what's in the plan, and she's on the line with me now. Hi, Leslie. Hi, Mark. Leslie, Johnson says his 10-point plan will kickstart a green industrial revolution and help the UK reach its zero emission target by 2050. Is this actually doable based on on what we've seen so far? Well, this plan is very much setting the scene for what will be a number of announcements that we're expecting in the coming weeks. So I think it's very big symbolically, it's big politically, but it's pretty short on detail and it's also short on money. And it is going to take a lot more funding than this to really shift the economy out of fossil fuels to a net zero system. Yeah, I want to get into the financing and the main weaknesses of the plan in a little bit, but I want to talk about some of the language that Johnson used first. Johnson uses really flowery language, turning water into energy and making the UK the Saudi Arabia of wind. Really nice turn of phrase, but what were the points that stood out for you when it comes to the potential to transform Britain's economy? One of the biggest single measures within this plan is that new sales of petrol vehicles and diesel vehicles will be banned after 2030. So by the end of the decade, you will not be able to buy a new diesel car. It will be all electric and hybrid from that point on. That's really going to kickstart charging stations, 
auto manufacturing plans and also consumer behavior and, and mindset that electric vehicles are going to get here in a big way much sooner than expected. Yeah, but you know, we've actually heard that promise before. And when it comes to the weaknesses of the plan, climate experts say, you know, a lot of this is stuff that we've already been promised. That's right. So some of the targets that were within the plan um, were ones that had been kicking around for a while. For example, one of the targets is for offshore wind, 40 gigawatts of offshore wind by 2030. That's more than four times as much offshore wind as the UK has today. And that's really significant, but it's not really new. So there were aspects of this 10-point plan that were definitely recycled. And from what I understand, climate experts have other issues with the plan as well. Well, one of the big shortcomings of the plan is that it doesn't lay out specific strategy and policies for how the UK is going to really accomplish these goals. I think everyone's still waiting to see, you know, how is this actually going to get done? So there's still a lot of gaps right now. Hopefully some of that will become more clear soon. One thing I'm interested in, Leslie, is that, you know, this 12 billion pounds in funding isn't going to come out of thin air. How is it going to be financed? The question of how to pay for this transition is still very much out there. One thing that is not mentioned in the 10-point plan is the question of carbon pricing. The UK is about to leave the EU, and right now UK carbon prices are set in part by the EU's carbon trading scheme. And the government hasn't decided yet how it's going to price carbon, will it tax carbon, after the UK leaves the EU next year. So, Leslie, there's a lot of focus in the plan on hydrogen and carbon capture, both fairly untested technologies in the UK. Uh, What do you make of that? Uh, Well, I think it's really interesting. And I think that the industrial sector here is going to be quite happy that those were included. Right now, making hydrogen from water is quite expensive. It's very energy intensive. It's not very efficient. And the hope is that government funding could lead to more breakthroughs. And same with carbon capture. I think what is being done here is pilot projects. Those efforts may not really cut emissions in the next you know, three or five years, but the pilot projects could help us figure out how well-suited those technologies are for a net zero economy in 2050. So a lot to look forward to. Yes, there is. Leslie Hook is the FT's environment correspondent. Thank you, Leslie. Thanks, Mark. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Matt. And Sean. From Two Black Guys. With good credit. From a local business to a global corporation. Partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash banking for business to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America, N.A., copyright 2024. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.